Welcome to the Teach Me Lit podcast. I'm Sophie Tuvey and I love talking about books and helping you to revise for English literature and go deeper in the texts you're studying. I want to think about the genre called the Bildungsroman and how Jane Austen uses this in Pride and Prejudice. Now, the Bildungsroman is a German term. Um, if you break it down, um, it means formation and novel putting together. Building is kind of like a gym with a picture. And that's why um, the word together, Bildungsroman, a compound noun in German, is usually capitalised when you write it. Now, this originated uh, in Germany in the 19th century. So when Austin's writing, sh- she's writing one of the earliest English novel forms of this that we have. Um, and the basic idea is that a Bildungsroman charts the progress of an individual from childhood to adulthood or immaturity to maturity. Now, in the case of Pride and Prejudice, Elizabeth is not exactly a child and we don't really have any um, information about her childhood. But she is at the key age of um, becoming an adult in Austen's era because um, she's not yet one and 20. And obviously becoming 21 is the key um, the key marker for becoming an adult. So in that sense, um, Elizabeth Bennet is the protagonist of the novel. And what we're going to see in Pride and Prejudice is her journey from um, her flaws and recognising her flaws and beginning to overcome them. Now, usually it's about coming of age. Um, but what's interesting in Pride and Prejudice is you've also got another structure that shapes the novel, which is the whole idea of the romance. So basically the novel introduces Elizabeth, it introduces Darcy and then shows their relationship culminating in their marriage. So that's a traditional romance structure. So what Austin's done really cleverly is managed to weave in the Bildungsroman um, within the romance structure. So if you like, you've got the overarching structure of the romance on the outer level and then woven within that you've got the Bildungsroman structure too. So when we meet both Elizabeth and Darcy they are both flawed protagonists, Elizabeth more so than Darcy in terms of being the main protagonist and we're going to see them being forced to confront those flaws but at the same time. So when um, Darcy first proposes to Elizabeth in chapter 34, both of them um, just come head on with their own flaws. Um, And she tells Darcy that she found him abhorrently proud and that he would be the last man on earth. She would never be persuaded to marry him. Um, And he also accused her of having pride and um, being her feelings being hurt by his scruples and also being prejudiced um, obviously for Wickham and against himself. So in the middle, in the centre point of the novel, both characters are confronted with these flaws and then forced to reflect upon that. Now we don't see much of Darcy's internal narrative at all, 
but we do see Elizabeth. So when um, Elizabeth reads Darcy's letter in chapter 36, there's a really important section where she thinks over her own conduct and she begins to see what she's done wrong. Um, it says she grew absolutely ashamed of herself. Of neither Darcy nor Wickham could she think without feeling that she had been blind, partial, prejudiced, absurd. And this is such an important moment in the novel because we've seen Elizabeth's flaws. We've seen how easily she believed Wickham's story and we've seen how much she judged Darcy. Um, but this is the first time she really seems to acknowledge that herself. Um, and then the next paragraph, she says, um, till this moment, I never knew myself. And this is where the Buildings Roman, um, it, it's all about a protagonist reaching a point of self-realisation. And that that's what's so crucial to this novel, is that it's not just about, is Elizabeth going to marry Darcy? It's actually about Elizabeth's character and her character arc. And... Um, and what makes Elizabeth distinctive as a heroine is this character arc. She's not a flat character who never changes. She's a character who is independent. She thinks differently to people around her. We've seen that in a number of key moments in the novel. Her disregard for the things that Miss Bingley values, you know, not getting a muddy petticoat, um, making sure that you have a knowledge of the modern languages and that you can draw and paint and, and sing. Um, her disregard for all those things um, shows her independence of thought and shows that she's not going to conform to everyone else. But where Elizabeth has to mature is that she does have to realise um, her own flaws and limitations, and she does have to accept, in a sense, authority over her. So she has to learn to accept that Darcy's authority on Wickham is more reliable than her own judgment. Um, she also has to learn by the end of the novel to defer, I guess, to Darcy's superior knowledge in some ways. So you've got this this arc of the romance, um, and obviously after that midpoint event of the first proposal, we then see both Darcy and Elizabeth change quite drastically. And the meeting at Pemberley is another significant plot point where Austin shows us how Darcy's changed in his radical politeness to the gardeners, who obviously are the aunt and uncle from Cheapside that Elizabeth didn't think he'd even want to speak to, um, but also show Elizabeth softening towards Darcy as she goes round the house. She hears the servant's testimony of his affability as a landlord and his generosity. She begins to rethink um, her perception of his character. And so ultimately, Darcy proves himself by rescuing um, Lydia from Wickham, um, by paying Wickham to marry her. And in that act of um, extreme generosity, Darcy shows that he has definitely changed um, and Elizabeth is able to completely change her perspective on Darcy and they're able to um, come together at the end of the novel in marriage. So there's a lot in this novel about self-realisation and in one sense that is has got to happen before the romance aspect of the plot, the marriage, can happen itself. Um, and so if you look at the novel in that lens, 
it really helps you understand what's happening with Elizabeth's character because so much of this novel is not about Elizabeth and Darcy. I mean, they're actually together um, in relatively few chapters. What's going on in the rest of the novel? Um, is it all just pointless and boring? Well, yeah, maybe for some people. But there's there's so much here about Elizabeth's character that if we make this novel all about the marriage between Elizabeth and Darcy, we're going to miss a huge amount of what Austin was trying to say. If you've enjoyed this podcast and found it helpful, please hit subscribe and share it with a friend. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter. Just search for Teach Me Lit. I'm always open to requests, so if you want me to talk about a text you're studying, get in touch. Thank you for listening. See you next time on the Teach Me Lit podcast.